0: Who is Jesus? What is He doing? And what does it mean to follow Him in the world today? My name is Matt Lewis. This is The Follower Podcast, and everyone is invited to the conversation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Follower Podcast. Uh, Today, we are still in our series of Saturate, where we've been speaking through the different spheres of society and what it means to follow Jesus in those spheres. And uh, I have a, a friend of mine, good friend, Buffy Channon. She's going to be speaking to us about her work of following Jesus in the sphere of governance. Um, I actually met Buffy through another friend of mine, Mick Channon, and they are married now. Um, and they live in England, and Buffy works with the, the, the government there, particularly at the moment around the issues of corona. But she'll tell us more about that. Uh, Buffy, so good to have you.
1: So nice to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, man, and I know that you are a busy lady, particularly at this time, and so just really appreciate you making the time to speak with us.
1: It's such a pleasure.
0: Cool, man. So, so let's, uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, obviously, the people watching here might not know who you are. Maybe some do. Maybe there's a whole bunch of people tuning in from England right now, um, which is cool. Welcome. Welcome to the follow-up podcast. But if you don't know Buffy, Buffy, give us a little bit of your background. Where did you come from? How did you grow up? Uh, what, did, what did it mean to grow up in England?
1: Yeah, so I uh, grew up in England. I've until I left for uni had lived all my life on the same road in a little town, sort of an hour and a half north of London, uh, where not very much happened, but with a very, very normal sort of upbringing um very normal family. Um, I think uh, then uh, left for uni and have lived in London since then. So, um,
0: yeah, and Buffy, where did you go to university?
1: So I did my um, undergrad in um, a city called Birmingham, which was a real change. So Bishop Stortford is very sort of conservative, white place, um, and sort of it hasn't changed very much for a very long time. And I went to university in Birmingham, which is just a really incredible, diverse city um, in the Midlands. Uh, and I studied history and anthropology there, and just had a real hunger to. Know more about cultures and people, and it was an incredible place to do that so then, um after my undergrad, I carried on um and went to a university in London called soas to do to study um African politics and carry on just thinking i think um I mean we'll come on to this, but I think at the time, I thought um that there was a future for me was sort of um on the ground charity work, and I think I really felt that. Um, real interest in seeing positive change for people and was just trying to work out what that meant and doing that through further, further study. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I landed in London then and I haven't left.
0: Mm. Great, man. And you, uh, when we were chatting earlier, you said um, one of the formative things of your kind of growing up life um, and one of the things that really influenced you, I love this quote, is you said uh, the moments that you realized you're not self-sustaining And how uh, you can't manage yourself and that you had to learn to lean on God and learn to be vulnerable within community and how that process of humbling really shaped a lot of who you are today. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that process?
1: Yeah, so um, I became a Christian when I was 15 um, uh, and kind of... I think it was probably more my teenage angst than a reflection on the local church, but I think I really struggled to see how, sort of, the Jesus that I'd met, who um, was so passionate for for the vulnerable and the marginalised, I couldn't see him in the in the church that um, I saw here. So I spent sort of a few a few years sort of trying to work out what it meant to follow Jesus by myself, and I think that grew in me this sort of deep. Sense of independence and like self self sustaining, um, like the the need for that. And actually, um, actually, as the years have gone on, there have been times where it's become so clear that there is, that that isn't the way that God designed us. Where things have happened that have caused um, me to need to lean more on God. And I think it's that thing you know where where I'm weak, He's strong. That actually like it's in those those moments where we see the need but also that he places us in community and the need to like actually sort of step away from the perhaps like the the veneer that we put on to like to other people and actually just be really real and vulnerable and I think it's in those times of sort of true vulnerability um where you can really meet with God but also really connect with people um I think uh that sort of true depth is built in those spaces um where actually you're not enough and um you have to recognize that uh and I think like it's so humbling to then grow in that I think and and recognize going into situations that have to be dependent on God and I have to be open um to being vulnerable with other people and learning what that looks like sort of a healthy vulnerability. Um, I think possibly growing up where I did sort of the, the stiff upper lip is the, is the, the norm. And actually to break that and work out actually what sort of a more godly culture might be um, for processing difficult things and emotion. And yeah. And I think, you know, God didn't create us to do things on our own. Mm. Um, we were made for for family and community Um I just think it's a reminder of that and something that, you know, I'm definitely still still growing in, but hopefully getting better at over time.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned that uh, sort of stiff upper lip thing, which is, I think, very much tied into British culture. Uh, that's been part of what I've experienced. And it's just always interesting to me how friendship with Jesus pulls all of us out of the cultures in which we were born. You know, like there is no one culture that is uh, without its need for editing, I would say. And so, you know, when we start to step into kingdom culture, God always invites us out of uh, kind of that formation space of w- where we grew up into something more. And it's just interesting yeah. to me that you've experienced that as a, as a pulling out of, I guess, uh, self, self-sufficiency, independence, I have this together, into the kind of vulnerability that makes community possible. Would you say that's a true reflection?
1: Yeah, I think absolutely. And I think... I think that's the beauty of realising where our citizenship really is and sort of um, where we really belong. And I think when we have confidence that we can step out and into into that, and I think we're free to sort of really critically look at our own cultures and question, you know, it, it might be sort of, it might be completely morally neutral, mm. but it might be something that is more or less of the kingdom. Um, and, and I think it takes... I think it's often helpful to step out of your culture or or be around people who haven't been immersed in that to sort of really really see the water that you're swimming in Mm -hmm. um because otherwise I think it can be quite hard to identify Mm -hmm. um but but I I think definitely hopefully you know when we're in like Jesus focused communities those cultural things can be dealt with like I really believe that Jesus kind of has a way of unpicking our complexities that we've sort of built up throughout life in his Mm -hmm. kindness and in his time of course but to sort of all those things that we've carried up and carried us sort of through life and the complexities and the pain I think he has a way of healing and simplifying and uh, restoring for him and hopefully my stiff upper lip (laughs) is going in that process as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, we've had a lot of conversations just, you know, when we've hung out about how some of that is really the product of of previous eras in your nation and what it meant to adapt, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, I think it's just so interesting how, when we have this Jesus focus, he brings editing and correction, but also how the, how I I would say, like friendship with Jesus is a safe place to fall apart. You know, it's a safe place to come undone. Um, and you, do, you described your friendship with Jesus, I love this, as joining with Jesus in the work for justice, comfort, and freedom. Uh, yeah. Can you unpack a little bit more of that? I love that.
1: Yeah, I just think, you know, um, there's that bit where Jesus reads from the scripture and he reads the bit from Isaiah about coming and he's coming to comfort those who mourn and set the captives free. And then he sort of reads, reads that bit. And I just think actually, you know, that's his, that's his mandate. And when we see what Jesus is doing, he goes around and he heals the sick and he comes alongside people who've been cast aside by everybody else. And I think it's our privilege, you know, as people following him to follow in those footsteps and continue continue to do that um and I think that's such an adventure I think it's, it's like really sad when people sort of have this stereotype of Christianity as this like boring stone building bound sort of religious thing when actually there is so much excitement to be had in mm. in obedience to what Jesus calls us to and stepping out and being with people and actually seeing seeing people set free from addiction, seeing people healed in all kinds of ways um, and just seeing what God wants to do. And I think, um, yeah, I don't think that gets boring. Yes. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think my my walk with Jesus has definitely been um, sort of a process of learning what that adventure look, looks like. Mm. Um, and, and And I think that looks quite, it can look quite different in different seasons and as he's calling people to different things and growing people. Um, but uh, it's never, never a dull, never a dull one.
0: <laughs> and, and I do, I agree with you for, for me that, you know, the following of Jesus is just the craziest roller coaster ride to be on. Uh, if you take yeah. it seriously, right. It's because Jesus, Jesus is not happy to just watch the world fall apart. Like his heart is always to bring restoration and redemption. And um, so then if, if those of us who follow him tie our hearts to his, inevitably, we're going to be pulled in the directions of that work, you know? Um, yeah. And so absolutely. I, I think it's so true. And for you following that heart, and this is what I've, I love about you is that, so you're currently serving in the sphere of governance, which, which is often, if I'm honest, you know, from the outside in people would perceive that role as some, in some some ways being disconnected actually from people, you know, kind of almost cordoned off from people around a lot of bureaucracy and red tape. And yet you are this person who has this massive heart for people to be connected, to have vulnerability, to sharing community. And that heart has led you to governance. So I'm wondering if you can just unpack a little bit for us that journey and how that worked.
1: Yeah. So I'm, so i think that my my heart was always um to want to sort of see things improve for people to create spaces so that people can empower themselves to see the change but and and i think when when i was in uni as i said like i kind of thought that that would be predominantly something that i would do to, in the third sector um but then I worked for an organization for a little while and we were doing really amazing projects with people on the ground. And I think I just felt really heavy hearted um, towards the end of my time with them because I realized that although the work that we had done was really profound in the lives of people that we had met and the relationships we'd built were so beautiful. But the sort of structural injustice that was making people vulnerable in the beginning was still going to be there. So as soon as sort of money for these projects ran out and people would be basically back where they were and generations after them would be as well. And I think I just felt really um, compelled that I wanted to see the structures change, that structural violence come to an end, um, that actually people would have the ability to to see different things and um, that they wouldn't have they wouldn't be stuck in these places so I think um so I moved from sort of on the ground stuff and then I stayed in the third sector and was working in um, a policy and advocacy role um which I really really enjoyed and I, it did feel sort of a step in the right direction was doing some um research alongside it as well and and again really just thought it was really useful to get that insight but then when it came to sort of communicating truth to power Mm. um I it felt slightly like shouting into the void because I I didn't understand sort of the structures of government the levers of change really Mm. um and so um I guess the the next step was to dive into the belly of the beast and work out (laughs) how how that worked so Mm. um this is my third role within government and just trying to understand um, how things work, how change happens, sort of what, yeah, what needs to happen to see see improvement for people and see things change. So, so I think, but for me, I think the, there is always a tension there between the policy side and then actually, which is sort of a little bit more, cerebral you've got to sort of have your thinking cap on and not but not losing sort of the soft heart and not losing that so I think for me it's always been really important to maintain um, having things always sort of doing work on the ground with real people and being involved in people's real lives and being really involved with people that actually your policies might affect and actually having having the balance so you've still got the soft heart but then can can sort of really hopefully um see some change so that's sort of for me an important balance to have it's it's I don't think it's either or rather it's it's both and and at the moment that means sort of government and policy work in the day and sort of on the ground stuff in in spare time but maybe in the future sort of the balance of that will shift and I think there's seasons for both but I think um, for me, the, the structural change piece is really important.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think what I appreciate about you, Buffy, in our short time of knowing each other, is that y- you are quite clear about your purpose and you understand, um, you understand your current work as the vehicle thereof. So for me, whenever we talk, I don't feel like you ever are serving the idol of um, career. In some ways, it really feels feels to me like your heart is set on kingdom purpose and you understand that right now the place that the Lord has you in order to live that out is in the sphere of governance, you know, and and I think that's such an important distinction to make is that you are not first and foremost in pursuit of a career. You're a person of the kingdom who understands that you're living out your calling in the current context, you know, I, I don't know if you would speak maybe a little bit to the tensions of that in your own experience.
1: Well, firstly, thank you. That's a really kind thing to say. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, I think it's been an interesting, interesting thing, and can bring frustrations. I think um, my first role in government was far less people focused than anything I'd ever done, uh, but I knew that I was there for. To be exposed to the type of things that I was being exposed to. Um, I was in a in a strategy team in the business department um, working on legislation which was super interesting but I mean the vast majority of energy policy doesn't have any direct impact on people's lives <laughs> and I just it was a, it was just a bit of a weird time and I think I really grappled with the like oh this is a really like good career move but actually I'm not sure this is where I'm supposed to be, and and in, in my second role, so I then moved. So I, I really enjoyed the sort of bigger picture piece there, but thought actually, the, a, a policy role would give me sort of exposure on a different level to see how things happen at a sort of slightly slower pace and more more in depth. So I've been working on um, quality of supported housing. So I don't know if that sort of translates to other people, but supported housing in the UK is housing that's given to people with additional support needs. Um, as a so that might be anything from sort of people with um, uh, for all people who are homeless um, or, or or experiencing homelessness um, or have addiction and sort of the short term crisis moment, people fleeing from domestic abuse, all the way up to sort of long term support for people um, uh, with disabilities or old people and and anything sort of in between really. Um, but it's been amazing to sort of really see, see what can be done at a structural level that will really affect the lives of people. And I think, I, think the, the, I guess the tension that you point at is actually, like, for me, it's not being, it, it's keeping my eye on the prize. Like, I've known what the, the purpose is. Like, I really care about, like, people who are vulnerable being made less vulnerable and being given sort of more autonomy and agency to make the decisions that they want to make. And actually, although it's very easy to get distracted by the like oh the 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 thing that you know that's the exciting sort of obvious sort of worldly career trajectory. Um they're sometimes making choices that sort of prefer the former over the latter. But I think I think at the moment for me that hasn't had to be such a I haven't had to lose one over the other it's been more about strategic choices than losing sort of interesting jobs for but then I think I think you know if God's given you a passion for something then it is interesting and it doesn't feel Mm -hmm. like you're you're in the wrong place so I'd I'd sort of rambly answer to your question but um I think for me it's just keeping my eyes on what what God wants me to do. And also, you know, actually when I'm not in that space, I feel uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I think and, the And I see the, uh, the kingdom value of it in a massive way, you know, as you're speaking, I'm so reminded of uh, Shane Claiborne. I think both of us have read a lot of his work. Then he makes this one phrase quote uh, statement, which I love. Where he says, you know, it's good to give a man a fish. It's good to teach a man a fish. To fish, but at some point you've got to go upstream and figure out who built a wall around the dam. You know, uh, because a lot of the things that impact people's lives are structural, systemically unjust. You know, and your work really kind of goes to the head of that. Like, is really tackling that at a very core level, which I think is a beautiful thing, and I think is an important work. You know,
1: yeah, and like I really feel so passionately about that, and I think at the moment we see it so profoundly i mean coronavirus has just highlighted in just horrific ways that the privilege and the protection of some parts of society over others the like um death rates among um minority groups in the uk is much higher than the white population and 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 there are certain groups other groups as well that are disproportionately affected And then even in terms of you know as soon as as soon as this happened, food bank usage went through the roof and you think we're in one of the most affluent countries in the world and the number of people requiring food aid is extraordinary. And actually, you know, what does it mean that we've got this system set up that benefits the very, very few very much Mm. and everybody else is so vulnerable at this point? And so I think, um, I really hope, I really hope that this is a moment of change where actually there's probably hopefully a little bit of national shame over actually where we are. And there's a bit of readjustment there.
0: And I, and I think what encourages me in our conversations is for you, that doesn't only fall sort of institutionally or globally, that falls quite personally, you know, as we were talking about how you are navigating uh, this Corona space in your own faith, just as Buffy Channon, just as you as a person, one of the things you said, I, I love this. You said, um, you have to reassess a lot of stuff. this has kind of woken you up, and you have to reassess a lot of things to make sure that your center of gravity is squarely on Jesus and not on anything else. Uh, tell us a little yeah. bit more about that journey for you.
1: Yeah, so I think um, this has been a really interesting time because uh, I think compared to the vast majority of people probably in the world were in a really privileged position I think you know Mick and I have both still got our jobs we're both enjoying them we're sort of safe and we're at home and there's just a lot that we have but I think the structures that we're used to in the rest of life have been completely shaken up you know we we can't go to work we can't go to church we can't you know the comforts that we're used to we can't just just go out and just see whoever we want actually everything the like the privileges and the freedoms that we're really used to are really limited right now and I think I think it's very easy in in a day-to-day life to really just get a bit comfortable and 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 you know say the words that you think that like you're you're reliant on God and you know you're you think that you're like committing those things but actually when when structures are completely shaken up And you lose some of those freedoms completely necessarily. Like I completely agree that we should have lost those freedoms, but um, I think, you know, it's necessary for this time, but I think it's really caused me to reflect both on the privilege that we have, that we're actually completely fine, but also on, on actually where was I putting my security and my comfort? And actually, I think when we're, always let's sort of lent towards the kingdom and lent towards we're sort of fixing our eyes on things above actually when these things shake it shouldn't be such a shock but it you know it has been and I think um even just sort of grieving with people who are grieving because I mean families all, like all over are losing loved ones and I think even just sort of the shock of this sort of global moment I think we're I think I think it's been really interesting for me just to reassess where we're, where I'm putting my my security and I think um God is kind that like just because we fail to sort of remember yeah. him in that sometimes that he's not going to sort of withdraw it from us now so it's it's not sort of a, a a once it or never again kind of situation it's just sort of remembering that and I think that can sort of make the rest of things feel a little bit lighter, mm. in, and and enable us to then think, what is it that we can do in this moment? Actually, if we like, given the privilege that we have, what is it that we can do? Sure. Um, because for for other people, it will be struggling with the experience now and what God is doing. Um, and so, I think it's a, I think it's, yeah, it's it's a it's it's then freeing us from our again our own complication just yeah. to go do what needs to be done
0: yeah i think for me it's been uh, there's been a challenging tension because on one level i've uh, been made aware of how um, complicit i am in some some of the systems of injustice you know and how uh, a lot of my comforts are a product of me siding myself with yeah some systems that are ultimately not just you know and I don't think ne- the guilt is necessarily the right response there because I don't think guilt leads us anywhere. But I do think a question of responsibility comes into, mm-hmm. into the equation as we sit and as we think about this. But then I think that, that responsibility can move us in one of two directions. One to a place of a sort of Messiah complex where we feel now we have to fix everything that's broken in the world. And, you know. um, and the other, which I think for me has been more healthy, is that this spotlight that has been shone into sort of the, I want to say maybe the deficiencies of my interior world. <laughs> you know, I don't have another necessary phrase for that. But what that's done is it hasn't pushed me toward greater autonomy. Instead, it's pushed me to greater dependence. It's, it's showing me that, man, God, what I thought it meant to follow you wasn't necessarily wrong, but at best was superficial. And you're starting to show me much deeper expressions of that, but I don't think I can get there without your help God you know and so it's what what it's doing for me is it's pulling me to um a, gr- a greater need for prayerfulness really and not not to the end of uh, some kind of therapeutic anesthetic, but more to the end of a catalytic activating force to go farther if i'm if I'm ever going to live into what your imagination for me is, I'm going to need your help to do that and so then so then, yeah,
1: and I think that really frees people yeah. from the sort of the messiah piece when you realize that it's actually really not about you or what you can do, yeah, but there are still things to do. Yeah. But doing that from a place of sort of sanctified imagination and what and and, and, and humility before God rather than sort of that I must is actually not
0: mm-hmm. that
1: you know, so absolutely,
0: yeah, um, and I think yeah, like- there's on one level that introspection is a privilege, like not a, you know, some people don't know where their next meal is coming from. So they don't have, they don't have the ability to self reflect right now, you know, but I think those of us who do, again, there's this tension because on one hand, you know, the, the idea of introspection and, and personal reflection and all of that, it's a very privileged conversation. But on the other hand, I think those of us who have been given that opportunity in some ways have that responsibility, Provided it's unto something greater, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think all of with all of these things, um, I think I think all all of this comes from a place that like fully believing that every person is created in the image of God, and like is dignified, and if the world isn't recognizing the dignity that they're owed. Through whatever structures is totally unacceptable, and I think it's is the balance of working with people um and and creating platforms for their voices to be heard and then aff- affecting the structural change where you can I think it is like and, and and actually I think it's you know if you have privilege, it's absolutely important that you broker that to open doors and create spaces for people to speak for and for, for seeing the structural change, if you can, on just doing, well, okay, wh- whatever is in your hand, that's your responsibility mm. to do. Mm. Um, we're, we're all carrying something. Um, and it's sort of our responsibility to acknowledge the power and the privilege that we hold and broker that for the benefit of others, I think.
0: Yeah. And, and so that feeds into sort of how you are navigating this this moments in history vocationally in terms of your work so your governmental work you're very involved with COVID actually right now
1: yeah so a lot of um people in the in the British government at the moment um have been sort of moved to work on um work relating to coronavirus so um I um asked to be moved and I've gone over and I'm working um in a team that's working on the the response in London um there are sort of teams working on lots of different regions um, and i happen to be in London um and it's and it's a real privilege to be there and to be trying to help sort of the operations people join the dots with the policy people that's kind of the role that I'm I'm fulfilling I think um we work with a lot of partners on the ground with the with the NHS and ambulance and fire service and um, lots and lots of groups um, and they're making sure that they're connected appropriately with government and and making sure that things happen. And I think um, it's been amazing to be a part of that work and really seeing issues resolved that will have some sort of tangible impact on people right now. Um, and so yeah, I've really enjoyed being part of it I think I felt a little bit before I joined this team I think I felt a little bit helpless you know it's it's lockdown mm. um and and what what is it that I can do yeah. I mean there are ways that you can volunteer and there are ways that you can serve locally um and it and it th- there's there's a lot to be done and financially giving as well but but actually to to be sort of in the center at the moment. I'm really, really grateful for, um, just the opportunity to help.
0: Yeah. And you were saying I think something, that's, something about how sort of a directing question for you in the midst of that, as a person who's, uh, following Jesus in that work is that you're asking yourself the question, uh, what is the kingdom vision and how do we bring that to bear in this moment? You know, and I just wonder, you know, you're talking about joining these dots, uh, uh, between policy and practice and it would be easy to kind of not be able to see how that is animated by a kingdom vision. So maybe talk to us about that. What does that look like for you?
1: Uh, so I think in the day to day at the moment, um, there's, there's potentially slightly less space for the bigger picture thinking. I think there's so much going on. It's very fast moving. Um, necessarily things need to be resolved for people as quickly as we can do that I and I I hope there'll be a moment after this where we take a breath and we can dream for what 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 the next thing can be we can be hopeful for the next stage and pray for that and I think I sort of I've mentioned the the sort of hope that there will be a recognition of the of the structures that we've sort of relied on that have benefited the few over the many. Um and sort of a, an addressing of that, I think. Um I mean in the UK it's felt really interesting. I think the the there's been a real shift in the media that we're we're valuing um you know our key workers and our frontline staff and really like lauding what they're doing instead of celebrity. Yeah. Um, and we're really valuing we're valuing very different things. We're valuing sort of the the input of scientists and rather than sort of political rhetoric of, although of course that, that carries on. Um, and I think there's been this shift and I wonder like what government will look like after this, if, if people's tastes have changed and there wow. is space
0: yeah. for a bit
1: more of that. Um, but I think, I think for now the work is quite reactive, but I think the you know, the piece of work around, um, recovery begins now and I think there will be a space for dreaming and hoping in in, in that stage and 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 suggesting sort of things that I think really reflect the kingdom hopefully um but I think you know we're people keep talking about the new normal and I sort of don't really enjoy that phrase um but I think the world will look quite different after this and there will be scope for innovation and creativity um in how we build community in how we serve people um, and I think there will be lots of things for sure um mm. that we're used to doing but I think that 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 leaves space for for different things for yeah. creativity and so I think there is a, there is a moment um coming where we can yeah. see that
0: yeah and I think that's encouraging in, in two spaces number one uh, we often think that kingdom work has to be this like massive fireworks uh, you know experience you 've got to be raising Lazarus from the dead every day or you 're doing it wrong kind of thing and I think what you 're describing is a is a daily faithfulness, the trust that God is at work just through your presence, even in the task at hand um, and I think I appreciate that that 's encouraging to me as well because sometimes I feel like the daily smallness of what I do or the daily sort of um, uh, how how the daily work of what I do doesn't always feel very supernatural. You know, sometimes it just feels pragmatic. Sometimes it's about in doing a task. And yet, I think, you know, the encouragement is that if a kingdom person is in a place, then kingdom is being revealed in that place in some way, shape or form, you know. And so the fact that you are doing it already adds a kingdom element to that space. And so I think that would be the first encouragement that I take away from that is, is to say that, that sometimes the missional work in the, in the sphere that God's placed you in, it doesn't always look like uh, fireworks. Sometimes it looks like faithfulness. Sometimes it just looks like your daily obedience and the overflow of your person formed by God in that place. Um, and the second thing that I'm really encouraged by, which would bring us to our sort of final space where we end off here is, you know, if, if I'm thinking about a, a, a number of people who are in the sphere of governance, around the world who are listening to this man, I can imagine this is a tricky place to be because it's just not business as usual in a lot of ways. Um, and I, and I think that's true in a lot of spheres, a lot of the people that I've spoken to in the business place, arts and creativity, media and communication the church. I mean, the church is a whole new world right now. You know, um, every sphere has this kind of mixed bag of chaos, disruption and uncertainty. But then at the same time, potential for innovation, new creation, uh, new hope, new future, you know. And I think my heart is to speak to the one without undermining the other. So, you know, my friend Trevor, he said, we don't want to baptize this situation. It's terrible and it's hard and it's difficult. But at the same time, buried in it is this resurrection power of Jesus. He has this ability to bring life. And I think one of the things you said is, you know, if you had to give advice to people in the sphere of governance right now, you would say, don't be afraid to hope. To be hopeful you know and and maybe just unpack that thought for us
1: yeah i think it it is a dark moment it feels like a dark moment and it feels you know i mean the uk has bounced from brexit to covid i mean <laughs> yeah. have shown, so so you
0: guys are not, headed to man it's <laughs> not calm over here um but I just I've never actually. I didn't think about that. until right now, that's, that's
1: yeah. I mean, who's talking about too. negotiations right now? I mean, yeah. So that's, yeah. I think we're 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 in a moment that isn't easy. Um, but I think, I mean, specifically to the British context right now, we have a government with a crazy majority um, who will have like a good few years after this to see see things happen. And I would say like if you're if you're I mean if you're in the UK right now, like now's the time for bold ideas because they have the majority to carry it through.
0: Mm. Be brave
1: with your ideas, put them forward, hope for bigger things. What is, what's the kingdom vision? Put it forward. And I think, although that is specific for the UK context given sort of how Parliament looks right now, um I think for anybody working in a in a government space like Actually, things are shaken up. You can shape how the dust settles.
0: Wow! You know you're
1: you're I'll in that say place. Say that
0: again. Things are shaken up. You can shape how the dust. If you're a tweeter, you can tweet that. <laughs> That's a good one. You. Anyway, Karen, go. Karen, go.
1: And I just, I just think there is a moment, and I think where where things are really static, I think it can be hard to create create that sort of friction to see things happen often if things are really comfortable but they're not right now there is no risk that anybody's comfortable and mm. um, things will have to change so i think i think we're in a moment for that dreaming for that hoping and then for being audacious just say just go for it and i think i think you know if you, if you had said a year ago we'll be in a world in a year's time where all the planes are grounded where everybody stays at home when no one goes to work Very few people go to work. Mm. You know, you wouldn't have believed it. And I think that there is this sort of suspended disbelief that we're sort of living in this space. And actually, I think I think that has that that will create space for for things to change. Yeah. Um. And 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 so I think be hopeful even in this horrible time. You know, do what you can, serve how you can. But this is it's, I, I hope that there'll be good things that come from this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, to, to kind of wrap up our thought here, the thread I, th- I see in our conversation is that there is this interchange between deep formational spirituality for those of us who follow Jesus and then a prophetic imagination that leads to activation. You use the word a sanctified imagination. Love that. You know, this, This idea of uh, as we spend time with Jesus, we start to get a picture of how he would run the world, right? And then, you know, with for this particular conversation, those of us who are in the governance sphere, man, is now not the time to take a risk uh, to Mm. try and see that world actualized in some way, you know? If the yeah, I mean, and nothing
1: will sound too ridiculous, yeah, because the world we're living in is wild,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, if there was ever time for policy reform, structural innovation, you know, like systematic overhaul. Like if ever there was a time when perhaps there was a window of opportunity to, to sneak something through for the kingdom, like maybe it's now, you know? And so maybe instead of, and I would say this is true in terms of what, I, what I've been hearing from people in every sphere. Maybe this is not the time for self-preservation. Maybe at this moment in history, God's calling us to actually stretch out and to step into some big, bold things, you know, um, which could be, yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think, I I know this is going to, maybe, maybe this is too far, but I think if you have, if you have the privilege to step back and say, is this a moment for me to self preserve? I'd say the answer is no. Like if you know where your next meals are coming from, like, you you know, it's it's time to step out and do something because actually that's not the case for so many.
0: Mm. Fantastic. Yeah. And uh, Buffy, before we go, any, any sort of closing thoughts, any stuff you would want to leave people with um, in this area?
1: You know, I said I went into the belly of the beast to learn, and I think what I've learned is that it's just people. Wow. And, I think, yeah. and I think, you know, people, getting to know people, and, and it's, it's not impenetrable. And I think, you know, if you're a, a person in the third sector working on the ground, if you're if you're a policy person, you know, whatever you feel that you're calling is, if you want to like have your voice heard, there are ways in. I think I'd, I'd recommend doing some digging and finding out who the right people are to talk to. But actually, you know, it's very possible to have your voice heard. Um, so I, I think I would say that. Yeah. there's there's hope for change and and you if you and if you have something to say make it hard
0: yeah so good i love that i love that um regardless of where you serve jesus the the simple work is really the same love god and love people you know Mm -hmm. and you may have different tools in your toolbox because you're in a different space um you know stuff about policy that i will probably never understand in my whole life i'm quite sure of that but uh Regardless of where we find ourselves, our role, our work is kind of the same. Love God and love people well, you know, um, and, then you, and then that works its way out. And that is how the kingdom of God comes in the earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, hey,
1: I mean, That's, I would also yeah. say that just a quick caveat yeah, I know that I've pulled into like governance and structural change. But I mean, I've met just wildly godly, amazing people who felt like actually Jesus did stuff on the ground and actually their role will always be to do the stuff on the ground with people and like leave the structural stuff yeah, yeah. Um, to God. And I think like it's the most valid, like to be called to, to follow what you feel God's call is on you. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't. Yeah, I'm not saying that this is the, only
0: the right way. <laughs> of course, yeah. You know, it reminds me of that conversation. Actually, it's forgot, I've forgotten who it is now. I think it's Peter uh, uh, and Paul. And the, uh, well, one of the disciples comes to Jesus and says, well, how come he gets this, that, and the next thing? And then Jesus says to him, oh, what concern of it is, is it of yours? You, know? and you do what I've called you to do and let him do what, what I've called him to do. And I think sometimes yeah. that is the challenge in the kingdom is that we can get so caught up in this comparison game when in reality, obedience is success. And so yeah. my hope, though, is that for those people who do feel called into that governmental space where their work looks like what you're talking about, uh, I would imagine that can sometimes be quite an isolating space and maybe a difficult place to really follow Jesus. You know, And I'm hoping that as they listen into your story and some of the thoughts that you're sharing, number one, they would realize that they're not alone in that space in terms of understanding their work as, as ministry. But number two, they would hopefully get some insights and perspectives that would help them live that into reality. You know? yeah. So thank you, thank you so much for being on the follow-up podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having
0: me. Yeah, it's been really good. And for everybody else, this is, this is the last conversation in our Saturate series, and I hope that it's helped you. We, we've gone through the spheres of education, the, the spheres of church, business, family, Governance media and communication creativity and the arts uh, and we've had really good conversations around all these things And the hope really has that is that these conversations have in some way been catalytic for you um, And so if they have been I just encourage you to get hold of me uh, I'd love to as the spirit leads uh, See if there can't be communities that start to develop around this stuff people starting to have conversations and dreaming together and and seeing what it could look like for us to have god's imagination in the places where he's put us um, and so if that's something that stirs in you and something you'd like to be a part of then get hold of me uh you can do that through the website mattlewis.co.za and i'd love to have that conversation the next series coming to the follow-up podcast will be one called mountains bow down something quite different actually it's a reflections of my journey through nepal so i hope that'll be helpful to you guys and um buffy thanks so much and uh we'll chat soon i'm sure yeah And for the rest of you, we'll see you on the next episode of the follow up podcast. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, And just before you go, I wanted to ask you to do three things. Number one, go across to the YouTube channel, Matt Lewis516, subscribe and turn on notifications. Uh, The reason for that is that every single one of these audio sessions has a video session as well. So by subscribing and turning on notifications, you can stay up to date with all of those sessions. Number two, go to Instagram, Matt Lewis516, and follow there. The reason for that is that we're putting out all kinds of different content in addition to the follower podcast that may also be helpful for you. And number three, go to mattlewis.co.za if you haven't already and sign up for the quarterly newsletter, the latest. Uh, This will give you information on everything I've been doing, uh, everything I will be doing and how you can get involved with that. It also with time will give you first dibs on events that we're organizing when we can start to meet together again. Um, And I'd love for you to be a part of that story. This is just my little way of making the first contact of the internet start to move toward actual connection and community, which is really my heart behind all of this. Because whatever it means for us to really follow Jesus in the world today, I really believe we're going to have to do that together. So do those three things, the Instagram, the YouTube, and the website, and that helps us move from contact to connection. Thanks, and we'll see you in the next session.